Seabass joins me from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. How are you, sir? How you doing, Sugar Bear? I'm doing great, man. I'm sitting back here laid up in between shows, getting ready to uh, watch Jared Pinkney take his second attempt at his 40 time, and I'm really hoping it's a whole lot better than the first time around because so far he's had the slowest time, five flat. This is where not having NFL Network anymore comes uh, as a disadvantage. I got what? YouTube TV. They don't have it, I don't think. <sighs> Chris, I... I, I I mean, why, why don't you just move into a cave and hunt saber-toothed tigers and, you know, wear pelts everywhere you go? No NFL network? I couldn't live. That's, I got to have my MLB network. Yeah. Got to have my NFL network. And I got to be able to see my Golden Girls and Frazier. If I have MLB network, I'm good. This was the best package for the money that we could get. And that's that's really the only thing that they don't have that I would want. And I think they have a lot of other things that some of the other ones didn't offer. So this was the best. What do we want to talk today? I mean, there's a lot of places to go. Man, well, first of all, let's talk about the first thing I just said just a second ago. Uh, Jared Pinkney uh, clocking in at five flat. Now he's two two players away from running again, and hopefully he'll at least dip into the fours. But you don't generally shave like three tenths of a second off from one run to the other. That doesn't happen. Uh, but that was an extremely disappointing time, Chris. As far as this whole group goes, the first group of tight ends. This was the slowest time. Uh, so you said that Missouri so, kid ran a, a four four nine four four eight. Right. Yeah, Howard O ran a four four nine. He's actually about to run his second forty. He's currently running it right now, and I'll let you know what it is. He uh, he he uh, basically did the same. Ran a four flat five flat. So he's that's about where he is. But both of those times are good enough to be one of the best tight end times in uh, last several years at the combine. Well, I think the minute he ran a four four whatever, I would have just bowed out and said, "I'm good." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a he's a pretty talented dude. There's no question about it. He certainly fits this, uh, the the model of today's tight end. But you know, for Jared, that you know, Jared's a guy that was you know we he's he's actually I don't think he's going to clearly. And after today, I think that's a certainty. But. I mean, there were, you know, there were times where he's, he'd actually been projected in the first round, you know, and, and of course that was a lot early on. Of course, certainly didn't have the, the final season in Nashville that, that, that he wanted to, but, you know, I, I felt like throughout the week, he's displayed a level of maturity, did not downgrade Vanderbilt, you know, had every opportunity to do so, you know, and didn't do that. And, uh, you know, I think he's a very talented football player. There's no doubt about it. Um, but today's not certainly not going to help his draft status by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. There are multiple offensive linemen who will run faster than that. Where do you think that'll put him? Maybe fourth, fifth round? You know, I think that you look, you don't base it solely on that. Uh, but it can certainly knock you down. But, I mean, he's going to have to have a really good pro day. You know, I think he'll need to do well in, in, in some of these other drills and whatnot uh, to, to kind of offset that. The only thing that today did that ensured that he – and, and I, he wasn't going to be a first-round pick. But, you know, yeah, I mean, that might slide him to day three, you know, if you're on the fence about it, unless you he, he's just somebody that you fall in love with due to the rest of the other stuff. You know, I mean, two years ago – he looked like 
I mean, some people thought other than Albert O, I mean, he's one of the top two or three tight ends coming out. Uh, and of course, last year was just an unmitigated disaster. Uh, and, and, and that was not a showcase of his talents in any conceivable way. And that's, it hurt him. There's no way around it. It hurt him big time. And then you compound it, but this five flat now he's already ran his second one, but they're on commercial. So I haven't seen it. I'll let you know what it is in just a minute. But, uh, yeah, given the season that he had this past year and that first 40 time, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to imagine that he's not a day three guy. Well, the kid can still play. He'll find a home somewhere. He's too good. Yeah, there's no doubt. Jared's a super, super talented young man, and I, I wish nothing but the best. And and hey, you know, I, believe me, I'd be quite okay if he had a horseshoe on his helmet. I promise. Oh yeah, I, that would be just lovely as a Titans fan. See Pinkney running through our secondary. Yeah. Man, how how great would it be to see that, or maybe Keyshawn Vaughn scoring the winning touchdown in Nashville against the Titans. Yeah, Vaughn, uh, my buddy Greg Aries told me, I think, that the Titans talked to Vaughn. They were one of the 30 interviews. You get 30, and he was one of them. Man, I'll tell you one thing. He, I don't know if you classify as Keyshawn Vaughn as a steal, but, I mean, I think that's going to be the case because I think he's a day three guy. So, you know, I think somebody's going to sit back and say, and there's some really good running backs out there, but someone's going to sit back. So where did this come from? And I said, well, if you, you know, I mean, it's, it's, this wasn't new, did the same thing last year. You know, I mean, Keyshawn to me, Keyshawn's all about business, man. He wants to win. He wants to perform. He wants to win. I think he's going to be, I think, is he a feature back in this league? I don't know. I have, I, I don't know. Uh, but all I'll say is this, and I told this to a, a, a friend of mine the other day who's not a Vanderbilt fan, but he is an NFL fan. And I, what I told him was, I said, uh, I said, you can, you can name Ralph Webb and Zach Stacy and, you know, Lou Thomas's of the world and the, and the Jermaine Johnson's and, and Ray Perkins and all these other guys. And I'm just telling you right now, the, 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 the guy that I would want to carry in the rock for me more than any uh, would be, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. By the way, Jared Pinkney just ran his second time, uh, and it was a four nine six. So basically, about the same thing. And he just he did not look fluid at all, Chris. He kind of he, he he lumbered. He lumbered both of those forties. What was the last time? Four nine six. Okay. He improved it, but just yeah, not enough so to slightly. matter. Yeah, that's too bad. I always liked yeah. him. Man, if Vaughn is yeah. a day three, that's a steal. I mean, I've seen a lot worse feature backs in the league than Keyshawn Vaughn. Oh yeah. I mean, and then look, you can look the thing about the NFL right now and the quarterback and the running back position, which is why, you know, I mean, of course the Titans, they have, they have big decisions to make, you know, when it, when it comes to the running game, but here's what I would say, what, what I would caution, because remember uh, for you Titan fans out there, remember what, Derrick Henry basically said is that the, the, the Zeke Elliott contract was the floor for his negotiations. Chris, oh, he got $90 million. That's a mistake. He got $90 million. And, yeah. and here's what, here's, here's what I told my listeners. And, and this is the way I would, I would look at it like this. Okay. I can make you a very valid argument that two years ago, the top three running backs in the NFL were David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and Todd Gurley. Is yeah, it, can, yeah, that's the way it goes, man. I mean, and 
Be- oh, Johnson. That was two years ago. Johnson can't even get on the field anymore. Uh, Gurley no, has Gurley got. Can't hardly walk. Yeah, I mean the talk was he potentially had arthritis before the start of last year, and then Bell. I mean that's he's kind of his own category. He just will knucklehead himself out of football probably, but. Anyway. And, and so that's my point. Those, those could, I could make you a fair argument. They were the three top running backs in the NFL and all of them in their prime. Oh, and Gurley, I just yeah. thought was a Hall of Fame, you know, because he can do so many things. He caught passes. Uh, he was on championship level teams. And that one, I hate that that one didn't work out. Because I really love watching him play. I mean, I say he hasn't worked out. He's not out of the league, but it's hard to see that getting much better. Yeah, he's he's easily played his best football that he'll ever oh, play again. Oh, yeah, that's the point. And, 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 and that's my point. So if, if Derrick Henry tells you that $90 million – and by the way, Derrick Henry is not a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. I love Derrick Henry. And, I, you know, I would love to have him in Indy. He's a special kind of guy. There's not really anybody like him in the NFL, but he's not a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. He's just not. And if that's the floor, $90 million, the floor for a running back? I can't do it, Chris. I, I I can't do it. Tag him, do whatever you got to do, but you do not sink that type of money into a running back. You don't do it. Think about it like this. So just look in Arizona, okay? David Johnson's about to lose his job to a guy they traded for and had been there for half an hour, basically, and that's, I'm speaking in tongue-in-cheek, but he had only been there like a day or so. And Kenyon Drake, if you remember, he went into the very first game and had a monster, huge game and basically took over the job and never gave it back. That's just Kenyon Drake. You you don't have to sink everything into these major – look, there's clearly some backs that are better than the others, and we all understand that. But think about Kansas City. Kansas City doesn't have a feature back, and they don't really need one. I mean, I like Damian Williams, and he played well in the playoffs, but the truth is I can plug almost anybody in that backfield. Look what happened when Melvin Gordon wasn't able to go. Look what yeah. Austin Eckler did. He was great. And that's my point. And then, yeah, and so why? You're not sinking $100 million into a running back. It's stupid. Guys that are really studs and kind of the life of a franchise, when those contracts come up in sports, it's really interesting to see how – franchises handle them because they almost always end up giving them the big money because you just can't afford not to from a PR and team cohesion standpoint, but it almost never works out either. Like you never end up getting the full money that you pay for the value of that contract all the way to the end. That's why I like, and we're getting to the Vanderbilt side of things, but that's why I like my contract with Manny Machado. For my boys, everybody's like, you gave 10 years, $300 million. No, we didn't. There's a five-year opt-out clause on both sides. Well, okay. I like what the Braves well, did with Albies and Acuna better. And the numbers? I don't know. Yes. What did they sign him to? Seven years, $80 million-ish? Something like I mean, that. maybe that was Albies, I think. I don't remember what Acuna's was. But here's the point. They got those guys both under contract – you know, till the 27 or 28 or whatever, at which point your career starts to to fall down a little bit. So they're going to already get the best years of those guys as it is. 
Well, you know, I don't know what the numbers are on that contract, but I like that too. But I mean, the Manny deal, I mean, he's playing in what year 27 uh, right now. And he's got four more years before teams have an opt out. So, I mean, you're not on the hook for when he's in his mid thirties and not playing well, or, you know, or he wants to see a change of scenery. So contracts like that, when they have that opt out at the halfway point, I'm much happier with that. Uh, you know, and if things are working out, you can always, you know, work, go from there. Uh, but in the football, man, I'm sorry. Look, you, you just, you just can't do it, man. You cannot give that type of money to running backs. Not, I mean, look, I mean, look, look, the most talented running back in the NFL, the most talented running back in the NFL is Saquon Barkley. It just is. He, he's the most talented running back in the NFL. I didn't call him the best. I call him the most talented. And I'd like to have him on for a long time, and, but I wouldn't give it to him. I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give it to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, these guys who put up these extraordinary numbers, and I'm not saying you can take your 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 two and and replace them and get the same exact numbers, but I don't think the drop is a, so significant that I can that I can go to bed with my pit on the on the pillow at night justifying a hundred and something million dollar contract to a running back. If we haven't put our audience to sleep by now with all the non-Vandy talk, Acuna got eight years, one hundred million. He's under contract till I think he's twenty nine. So, uh, what next? Not bad. Uh, how about a little football? Yeah, I've not been to you practice know, I, yet. I will go I like in the morning. It'll be my first time. I've had, uh, my wife works, as people know, uh, about three to four days a week. And so that leaves me to get the kids to school. And uh, that is not conducive to attending practice. But tomorrow she's here, so I'm going to go. You know, talking about that, I read this morning where uh, Bradley Ashmore is running a second team. Uh, also, see uh, one thing that that has been an issue, and so I think so. I, I think Bryce's dad reported as well that the the flu is kind of hampering the offensive line right now. You know that yeah. both tackles are out. That Stewart, that Stewart and Steen are both out, and this is already an extremely thin unit. So I, I think it's probably going to hamper some of the stuff that they're that they're trying to do. Uh, but we're early on in this thing. But uh, I, you know, I mean, at least and, and look, and I get it if I say, you know, there's some positive early chatter, and there seems to be a good energy. I mean, that's easy to say in the first couple of days in spring practice. Uh, but I, I think one of the posters pointed out who played in the same place that I did, uh, that they didn't – that, that's, that's kind of cool because I, I hated spring football, hated it. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot of folks that, that really love it. But, you know, I mean, this, this, this team and this coach and staff, even with the new pieces, know – uh, that they have a lot of work to do and a lot of questions to get answered. You know, normally when you return your entire defense, you know, starting wise, and uh, you 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 feel pretty good about it. But there's still a whole bunch of questions, despite all that, and some of the new pieces uh, that that are coming in. So it's too early to have any true reports about what all is going on in football. Uh, so it'll probably be next week before we know more. But, you know, another thing that's already cropping up early is that is that Cam Johnson's taking a leadership role with this team, which is it's needed. I mean, it, it just is, especially on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, I have visions of Cam Johnson. You know, one thing that I do like is that some of our young receivers are pretty athletic dudes, pretty fast, pretty good in open space. I mean, other than the ones that have already been playing, I think about – 
I think about Harrison and 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 Body Junior. You know, I, I'm interested to see what they bring to the table. I can't wait to see Logan Kyle. I know we have some young quarterbacks and all that, but I, I'm real interested to see what some of these other young receivers do. And another guy that I'm interested to see, and I know folks like a lot, and I do too. Um, and and that and 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 that's Jamari Wakefield, man. Uh, if, if I think his health is one of the biggest priorities and and unanswered questions going into 2020 is is what kind of impact could Jamari Wakefield if he, if he if he's fully recovered and 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 can stay healthy what he would mean to that running game you know Yeah I mean I think he's a good number 2 number 3 back I still think their their one has got to come out of somebody more explosive I mean to me Marlowe has got to be the guy I just think he's got a gear and a wiggle the others don't. I mean, that doesn't surprise anybody that has heard this podcast for years, and I'm anxious to get out there and see what he looks like and if he's healthier. But that's just the thing. I mean, we've never seen it. I mean, you've had a chance in practice, but the fans at games, they've never seen that before. Yeah, trust me. He's a he's a notch above anybody oh, else on that roster. Do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally believe you. It's just that We've not seen it. I mean, you know, we've seen once or twice, you know, here and there, and then you never see him again, you know? And so it's like, you know, to say he's got to come in and have a big, it would be nice. It'd certainly be a, a huge lift, but you know, we've never had it before. You know, ask, you ask me what escargot tastes like. Do I miss the taste of it? I don't know. I've never had it. Well, and I'll say that with the caveat that I don't know how bad the injuries were, uh, and how much they limit him on the other side. Sometimes you have injuries and you come back, you're not the same. So that's the thing that I'll throw out as a a buffer for I might be wrong. But I know the kid I saw as a true freshman looked like he could really play. What does he he go? What's his weight, Chris? He's a a lighter guy, right? I want to say 195, 200. Is he up there? Okay, I was thinking he's yeah, about 180. Something no, like that. I think he's bigger so he's than that. that. I could okay. be wrong. I think he's bigger. Okay, all right. Well, I'm sorry. It's, I, like I said, I've hardly seen the dude. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that that would be great to get some explosiveness out of the backfield this year. Because, and look, you know, we talked about it last week, but I mean, all this stuff we're talking about, quarterbacks and everything, and and all these other positions, none of it's going to matter if they if they can't get that line together. So. That's uh, going into 2020 for me. I know it's a, the the quarterback is supposed to be the biggest question, and it is, and I get that. But for me, it's that offensive line again. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, there's there's just there's a ton of questions. I mean, where where's there not a question? Where is there not a question? Ah, uh, let's see. <laughs> there is not a question that wow um i've got one answer i'll see if you can guess wow. i mean I, well maybe the least questionable and and maybe once we dig into this i would take it back okay i think he I was mean, outside it, linebacker i think between a bear mints um McAllister, they got some kids that can although i don't know have not been out there i don't know if they're working any of those kids out at d end I mean, heck, I guess they've changed to, you know, changing schemes and all that. We'll see where some, maybe that question sort of self-destructs as I'm talking about it. 
under a new scheme, but at least under a 3-4. I think that they had enough guys there that I thought they could be okay at least. All right, let's shoot for upside, position of, of, of upside. If, if, if the personnel, if they hit on the personnel that they have now, um, let's see. I, I, well, the two positions that, that come to my mind, uh, and, and one of them, I, I can't even believe I'm going to say it, but it'd be defensive line. Uh, and, and then the wide receiving core. I mean, I, I'd like some of the young wideouts. I do. You know, I like some of the white, uh, the young whiteouts, and and another guy that I would really like to see really have a big year this year. And I know that you uh, were were kind of high on his talent since he got on campus, uh, but I would really like to see Ben Bresnahan take that next le- that next leap going forward. Of course, you know how how does how to fit use him? I don't know. Uh, we haven't seen that yet, but uh, I would really like to see him take a big leap forward because because you mentioned when he first got there that he just uh, extreme. Uh, put together and pretty athletic dude. Just think, it feels like they've just kind of hit the reset button on the whole whole program right now, doesn't it? Maybe, uh, maybe, and, and and that may not be a bad thing. No, well, in fact, I, I know it would from be where a bad they thing. left off. It's, you know, but here's what I'm thinking: okay, every year you go into the season, you at least got a couple of identifiable players. You like. Well, this kid's a first-team All-SEC candidate, or that kid is, or this is a running back who's led the team in rushing for three years. Like, you have a guy who is the face of that program, or a couple of guys. I mean, I'm thinking now, like, who would that even be? Well, I'll I'll say this. Uh, You know, there's an expectation when it comes to those, because, you know what, we had, uh, what, the returning leading rusher, uh, one of the top leading career receivers uh, of active receivers in the NF or in the SEC, and one of the two best tight ends in the conference, and one of the top in the country, uh, and one of the better left tackles on offense. And where'd that get us? Yeah, yeah I mean, you, I know, you know so I know. Would I, rather, would I rather have that than not have it? Of course, I would. Uh, but but sometimes it's when you have no expectations. And remember something, because I think I think the key word that you said was reset, and 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 maybe that's right because, you know, maybe the Ted Roos of the world come in and give this 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 entire defense the overhaul that it needs. Maybe. I, Maybe does, maybe doesn't, but that he he possesses that potential. We have a brand new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, a, a brand new offensive line coach, new wide receiver coach. Uh, what, don't we have? A, we have a new defensive back coach too, right? Uh, I believe. Um, yeah. And you know, <laughs> we got. I'll, I'll say this to you: they're young, and I get that, and I, I will certainly uh, realize that and appreciate that as the season goes on. But I'm just here to tell you right now. You tell me the last time that they brought in two quarterbacks from the prep ranking that you felt as good about as you do Ken Seals and Mike Wright. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, it would be a, it'd be a while, I would think. So yes, there's that. I know every quarterback they've brought in since 96. And I, when you talk about a one, two deal, there isn't anybody. There's not a one, two combo that, 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 that would turn anybody's head compared to, to these two. Well, it's not. And, and, and then you, then you bring in the Juco guys and I'll tell you something else. Uh, what, what's the young man's name? Is it uh, Danny Clark? I think it is uh, yeah. the young man from Kentucky. 
you know, and then uh, Jeremy Musa, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what goes with those guys, but the potential side of those two young gunslingers, I'm going to put it this way. One of them might miss. They're not both missing. I think those are two top shelf quarterbacks. I really believe that not because I want it to be the case, but because I really believe that one of them is going to hit. I believe that. I'm trying to think of two quarterback classes where guys played. I'm trying to think. I think Benji Walker and Jay Cutler were separate classes, if I'm correct. Or there was they? a quarterback in. There was a quarterback. Oh, it in was Jay David Cutler's Corral class. and Dave and Jay Cutler. David That's Corral. right. That's correct. Yeah. And Benji Walker, I think, was the year before or the year after. And uh, let's see, uh, David Wallace had another quarterback in the class with him too, but I don't remember. Was it Justin Perky or was that a different class? Oh, uh, that sounds about right. Both local kids. You know, but I mean, as far as two of them, I, because both, look, both of those dudes had choices. Believe me, I've talked to some folks in the SEALs camp, Vanderbilt and a couple of the others that you saw in the Rivals uh, uh, updates were not the only people after him at the end of the day. They were not, you know, and, and he held to that commitment. And I'm awful glad that he did. And Mike Wright, I mean, just turn it on, Chris. First of all, uh, where he plays, that district and that region is just absolutely loaded. And film don't lie, Chris. Now, people fall in love with huddle stuff, and I understand that. But some of the things that this dude just jumps off the screen at you, uh, the dude's got wheels. And this, and today, the game is different today, Chris. And a, a smart mobile quarterback with an arm, you know, it plays right into what college football is right now. You know, and both of those guys are, are, are smart guys with big arms and can move. And I'm going to tell you something else. Go back and watch Ken Seals' film. Now, you don't want to keep doing this in the SEC. But one thing that you will see, Ken Seals did not run like he was just trying to get to the first down marker and get out of bounds. He will knock you over. You know, which he probably, sh like I said, he probably shouldn't make a living of that against, you know, Auburn linebackers. And I certainly am uh, cognizant of that. Uh, but that dude is tough. And he's going to get where he needs to go. And he can, he's versatile. And he's getting some great OJT right now, but I think Mike comes in and pushes him. And you know what? I don't love starting true freshman quarterbacks, but if they're the best on your roster, then you put them right on out there. Because what we have learned over the past three or four years is that college football is, is changing. And not so long ago, the thought of having a true freshman quarterback out there was a death sentence. And that is not the case anymore. Now, you have to be able to protect him, and that's why uh, more than ever it's so paramount that our offensive line do well. But a true freshman can succeed these days. They can. You know, they did this year. What about a guy like Bo Nix? You know, and even when they're not true, just a freshman period. Look at John Rice Plumley. You know, guys, you can come in. He was a freshman, right, Chris? I think he was, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you we we have seen too much evidence of it in the last three or four years. People handing the keys over to big programs to freshman quarterbacks and them having success. So you know, as as, as if they can protect that guy, we have some decent weapons. You know, whoever that guy is, and if it's two of them, you know, if it's two of them, then so be it. But I'm not nearly as mortified about having a freshman quarterback as I would have been in the past with some of the other cats we brought in. And there's been other two quarterback classes like uh. Sean O'Connor, if you remember the big kid out of Hackensack, he came in and there was another quarterback in his class too. 
uh, we, we've had multiple quarterback classes and they've almost never worked out, you know, but I don't think we've ever brought in two like this. I just don't. Speaking of running, did you see the thing that Mike Wright did the other day? I want to say he ran, was it a 10-8 or 10-9 in the 100 meters? Somebody, I saw them, uh, is 10-9 that fast? I mean, it's a lot faster than I run, but is 10-9 really that fast? I thought it was fairly fast. I he ran something. It was I mean, like on. I, it was on. Maybe I have the time wrong. He ran something on Twitter, and people were making a little bit of a big deal about it. I thought I kind of saw it. In I, passing. What I saw, because I saw. I, look, I saw that. He, I saw that. He was in that state meet or something like that, and he he looked amazing. I, I want to say somebody said that he made it to a nine eight seven. I maybe mean, that would have been world record. I don't know. Uh, nine, well, yeah, nine nine eight seven is is world world class speed. You know, like right up there with the best of the best. Uh, you know, need needing to be trained for the Olympics type of speed. He's not that guy. He's not that dead gum fast. But he but he can he can move, and he's got a he's big. He's got a long stride. You know, and he gets the ball where it needs to go. Uh, telling you right now, man. You look out. One of these two guys. Uh, uh, is going to stick, and we're going to love him. I, I believe that. I do. I, and, and while I think I know who it is, I'm not certain. Shall we do the mailbag? Would you mind? Today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent, agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Give him a call today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. Diehard VU fan says, with the continued run of bad news and bad luck surrounding Vanderbilt, let's try to be positive. Name three good or positive things about Vanderbilt going on right now. Three positive things about Vanderbilt going on right now. Thanks for the question. It's a good one. Uh, we need these types of questions. Uh, three good things. Well, um, if you if you rewind the tape about two minutes ago, uh, I love our two incoming true freshmen and quarterback. I, I love both of them. I think they're going to be great. Uh, that's one positive thing. Two, our pitching staff is absolutely disgusting, and we may have one of the best young catchers we've ever had, I think. Uh, and number three, I love, 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 love to watch Scotty Pippen play basketball with a basketball in his hand. I don't know what happened to him on the free throw line lately. Uh, he, he seemed to rectify it at the end, but I really like the maturation of his game over this season. So seals and right, our pitching staff, uh, and CJ and, uh, what's the last one I just said, Chris, oh, Scotty Pippen Jr. What about you? What do you think? I was going to go Hickman, Rocker, and Lighter. Okay. Can't go wrong with that either. Man, they are so good on the mound. I don't know how much I you've know. watched them. Like, this is how ridiculous it is. I'm looking at the stats today, <laughs> and I look up, and Eric Kaiser has pitched three innings, not allowed, I don't think, anything or, or no runs. And I look up, and he's got – <laughs> one walk and eight strikeouts, and like somehow I'd not even noticed this. I mean, eight strikeouts in three innings—that's crazy. And he's like the twelfth guy on the staff. 
All right, so let me ask you this, and I'm going to ask you a question, and then we'll get back to the mailbag. Uh, and, and it's fine. He's, he's still great. I, I love him. love him. I do. But would you say one of the question marks, if there's a question marks, would be Tyler? I wrote about that Wednesday. I'm not ready to – like, if you put the question mark tag on a guy, then it – Sort of me. I, I don't know. It, it 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 seems weird, but I do have some question about whether he's a hundred percent healthy. I don't have anything to go on other than his overuse and the fact that he's had you know his first two outings weren't that good, and actually his third outing was effective, but he got hit hard with a couple balls that went for outs and that too. I am not ready to call him a question mark because I feel like that's kind of putting a target on him that I don't mean to imply. But I do wonder if this is related to last summer when he got overused in Team USA, or is this just like last year where he was a little slow out of the gate, it's February, it's cold, sometimes you just string a couple of less than your best outings together, and maybe that's it. I don't know, I'm kind of watching, but that's where I am. Yeah, and I think that's right. I mean, I don't think it's even remotely close time to push the panic button. You know, it's just if you would have said uh, at this point so far in the season that one of the question marks would have been Tyler Ryan, you would have been like, what? <laughs> that that should have been one of the the the, the stalwarts, no matter what. And, and I think he still will, because I think I think he's great. I, I do. Uh, I, there's very few people I'd rather have there. But it had, I mean, as, as you clearly admit, hadn't been the, the, the dream start that you would have hoped. Let's see. Diehard VU fans, as at times, especially recently, it feels if his investment in the athletic program is impossible, is there anything we as fans can do to make our voices heard? <laughs> I mean, I honestly, look, you know, I, look, there, there are a few detractors that you've had to deal with though. I've really, I, I, the only thing I can tell you is that you just don't know the guy writing the story or doing the homework. I do. And so some of, some of the stuff that you guys are saying, you, you're just, it's not no offense. You're, you're just wrong. You know, you're just wrong. This is a dude that, I mean, you've heard other people write it and say it. This is a guy that sources checks over and over and over again to make it as fair as he possibly can. There's no agenda or ax to grind, not out there making stuff up. And I promise you, he is out there digging, trying to get the type of answer because we're dealing with a place that relies on the fact that nobody gives a damn. They want they 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 look. They know that there's a, a a group out there that does care, that loves it, and they're fi- what they're finding out is they can't just bury this, but they can't just bury it because you've got a few people like this guy right here, like Adam, that are digging. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but did you notice in that interview with Candace last night that it wasn't just two people like it almost always is, maybe three? There were multiple people in there, multiple people in there uh, that you generally don't hear from because 
the apple cart is being upset. Well, you know what? Sometimes it has to be for greater things to happen. And what has to be, Vader is going to have to understand eventually is these people aren't going away. And you can appreciate the question and you can dance around it till your shoes fall off, but they're not going to stop being asked. Some rocks have been overturned, and now it is clear that some of the fears that we have had are legitimized. And Chris, that's your responsibility to keep that up. I don't care how tired you get. That's It's your responsibility to keep that up because if they don't, if people like Chris don't do that, then we're going to get what we've had for decades, man. And when I said nobody gives a damn, that's what I'm talking about. They know that in the past they could just come out, give whatever that was last night, something like that out there, and they'll think, ah, oh, that'll just suffice. So now we won't have to say anything, and they'll blow it away, and then the next thing will happen, and we'll go on to that, and nobody will care, and we'll just – that's that's not going to work. That's not going to work this time. You have big money boosters who are refusing to be a part of this until they see action. Money talks, but we have to, I mean, look, they're not going to give answers, so the answers are going to have to be dug out, and it's it's time for them to be a little uncomfortable, you know. I don't want to have this fracas where it is literally us against them, but we didn't set this narrative. They did. What can we do? Keep supporting people like Chris, you know, demanding answers. You know, I don't do sports talk in Nashville. I do it in Jackson. But if I were you out there, I'm calling the radio thing, the radio every day. And I don't care if they like Vanderbilt or other people don't or, or whatever the case may be. There's not a lot of Vanderbilt presence on the radio. Who cares? You call up anyway. Remember what for whatever you thought about them. You know, I always like to talk about this because I thought it was freaking cool. James Franklin didn't take that for a line down, did he, Chris? What did he do when he walked in town? He started calling the local talk shows. I need to hear more about Vanderbilt athletics. Demand it. Don't just swallow away and say, well, that's just the way things have always been. It's a UT-dominated market. Make your voice heard. Yell. And if they don't like it, too bad. Yell louder. Keep calling. Demand stuff. You know, because I would say just withhold your presence and withhold your dollars, but I don't know that Vanderbilt cares about that because the other teams are showing up, you know, so they don't care what jersey you're wearing, you know, what what your favorite team is. As long as their butts in the seats, that's all they have been caring about in the past. But, you know, and, and you know what? Maybe, Chris, maybe, just maybe, there's these huge plans that can't be revealed at this at this current time. But when Vanderbilt is probably they'll be more transparent with this, with this. Uh, what, what what's the word? What was the word that was used last night, Chris? Uh, there were uh, lots of words used last night. It wasn't a plan, but uh, uh, you, you you know she kept using it over. It was over a over high level strategic plan. I think that's it. The high level strategic plan or a very high um, level strategic and, you know, plan. And I, you know, I want to tell you something. I appreciate the fact that, 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 uh, that Candace story Lee says, look, hold me accountable. I have, you know, I, I have my, uh, she didn't use the word honor, but, uh, in, in, in that realm, she's like, look, uh, I, I want you to put me to the test, but I thought Chris's question was extremely fair. What am I holding you accountable for? You know, tell me, tell us, because the way that I see it is, 
right now, you just keep supporting people like Chris and Adam and the people that are shaking up the cart and making sure that they know and keep writing those letters and keep writing those emails. And that's, but that's another thing that I will say about Candace um, is that she responds to them. You know, I mean, because one thing that just pesters me to death, like when Vanderbilt as a university will put a, t- a tweet out like they did last night, knowing it is just pure tomfoolery. And then they see the responses that they get. And I'm not telling Vanderbilt to get into a Twitter war with their responders and their followers. I, I, I'm not stupid. I understand that. But acknowledge what these people are saying and see what they're saying and do something with that. Don't just put that out there. See what your, I won't, they're not your constituents, but your fan base and, and the people that follow this university and do something with it. Cause we're not nearly as stupid as you seem to think we are, you know, but I, I think that last night, here's what I'll say, Chris, I'll give her back to you. I think last night caught them off guard a little bit in the sense that I think they didn't realize how much traction all this has gotten lately. And I think they're starting to now. I don't think they were prepared for it. I think they felt like the old company line would be good enough to get that done. And I think they're seeing that may not be the case. And, but hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully what there's everything that they said last night is all true. That they got this huge thing that they're going to unlay that they're going to, uh, bestow on us at the proper time, layer by layer, and it's and we're going to love it and all this other stuff. But here's one thing I'll highlight and I'll say, this is what I would have done. If you want to be transparent, when Candace was asked about what was it, Chris, the, 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 I think the price tag on the locker room, and that what it was? Yeah, that's the only thing that she really answered oh, okay. all night that I remember. That figure was less than what they planned on doing, so they've already watered that down. Well, but here's the thing. Here's what she said. Less than five million. What does that mean? That's what I mean. Hey, the Chris, price tag a, was originally six I to have seven. I twenty dollar bill in my in my pocket right now. That's less than five million dollars. The follow up question should have been, okay, it's less than five million. Is it more than three? You know, is it more than two? To tell me that it's under five million, which, as you mentioned, is already under the number, and here we go again. But there, where's the culpability in that? There's not any. It could be it could be three hundred thousand dollars, and she'd come back and say, "I didn't lie to you. I said it was under five million, and it was." Give a better answer. We're grown people. Give a better answer than under five million. You know we want to know the ballpark, and to say that it's under five million leaves it so wide open, right, Chris? You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, you heard the questions. I had the same frustration. There were just no answers. I mean, it was the most ridiculous press conference I've ever attended. First of all. There's nothing about this that I've enjoyed other than maybe to hopefully I've done a good job with that element. I think there's glory in just doing good work, whatever you're calling in life. And so you do take pride in that, that when you go to bed some days, you work 12, 13 hour days and you've just given it your best. And the story that I wrote Monday was sourced eight different ways and nine, if you want to count a compliance officer at another school, not named Vanderbilt, who I checked with to see if some things in the story that I came out with Monday or technically Sunday night were Title IX violations. (laughs) The answer I got, this is kind of funny. It's really not because it's pitiful. 
I had a source that thought some things that were not being done at Vanderbilt or being done poorly were Title IX violations. And as I dug in on those, found out they weren't Title IX violations because the men's programs were equally crummy. Uh, so they'd be violations most places, <laughs> but they weren't at the men's program because there was it was equal opportunity crumminess. That's what this story has been like. It has taken a lot of my time. It's taken a lot of time away from my family. It's driven me bananas. I think the worst part has been, you know, when you were about to run with some of the stuff that I've run with, you have no idea what's around the corner. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what bad could happen. You don't know any of those things. And you're sitting there going, okay, do I think all this is true? Yes. Or are the parts that I'm not sure that are true, but I think are true, have I adequately couched that I'm speculating here's context is why? Yes. And the thing you ask yourself as you get nervous, do I trust my sources? Would they know? Uh, do they have a good reputation? Those things. So when I print what I print, it's with that confidence, but it's also with the uncertainty of, oh man, now that I've done this, what's around the corner? So I think for five weeks, I've carried that anxiety around with me. I know my wife could tell you that I have. I felt so much better this morning because for once, I don't feel like I'm out there on this island. Like, you go back to that first press conference three weeks ago that she had, and I'm the only one asking kind of pointed questions, and she's blowing them all off, and everybody else is just kind of falling in line with the PR thing of Candace gets a shot, whatever. And, and I don't have an issue with that, but I was the only one I felt like that was asking a lot of really probing questions, and she blew them all off. Yesterday felt different when I walked into that room. We're going to air this Friday, so yesterday will be Wednesday night. I've kind of finally felt like I wasn't going to have to be the only one who was suspicious and asking the right questions anymore. And you saw how that went. She was not prepared for that. Not at all. And we all left that, every one of us left that going, what in the world was that? Any response to that there? I was going to ask you, how do you think they felt the press conference went from their end? If you had to guess. Well, I think, I mean, I think they know now. I, I sense some kind of panic over there now that, oh man, they might be on to us. That's very much editorializing. Um, th there's a little info behind that, but. They've never been used to have anybody pushing back and asking challenging questions. And this will be the first time I think they've ever had to deal with that. I think they're starting to realize that it does matter to more people than they realize. And, and not just people that have a bunch of commas in, 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 their, in their bank account. They're certainly an integral part of this. But, I mean, this, this matters to a lot of people. And it just does not have to be this way. And the weird, no, I don't know anybody, anybody, I've not seen anybody or talked to anybody that is asking for this university to just totally 
dismiss its principles and it and its and its missions, you know, and, and to my God, dude, we'll do anything to become a football power in basketball, you know, even if it means you know, compromising our academic integrity. Nobody wants that to be the case. We all love the fact that it's such a great academic institution. But to those, but to that select group there that thinks that the incorporation of athletics is the demise of of of, of academia is just ridiculous. It's it's so short sighted. And you have pointed out, and I thought rather astutely. You asked, could you imagine if the athletic department, you know, or if Coach Mason could walk in, you know, to the to the divinity folks or the or or somebody else, you know, in, in the engineering department and 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 piece together their uh, what what their what their plan is for for the semester, you know, it, it could could Jerry Stackhouse, you know, can he write the syllabus, you know, no. That would be laughed off the table. So why do you have so much pull for on the other side? I don't get that. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting few weeks. I think, you know, pushback comes in a lot of ways and people questioning you and stuff like that. I'll just say, look, if you want to question me or my motives, just look at how far ahead I've been of this. And have I been basically right? Yes, I have. Um, I, I hate saying that because, man, that, that sounds so arrogant, but. I think you know how I mean that. The evidence is there, and it's starting to be right in front of people. I mean, you saw how ridiculous that press conference was. I mean, you saw how little they wanted to answer questions right after this big speech on transparency. There was none. I think this whole thing is still a shell game. And Vanderbilt plays shell games better than anybody. I mean, they know how to hide stuff. And distract. I mean, I think as good as they are at their core mission of education, I think they're just as good at this. And boy, it is hard to follow and keep up with. And I think now the narrative that they're trying to get out there is, you know, you guys are wrong about this. There is big stuff coming. And I do think that they are trying to do some things. I don't doubt that. I don't have any reason to doubt that. Where they get away with stuff, okay? is these vague timelines, or when they give a timeline, now they're talking about five years and stuff like that, and, and just being able to push things off, not committing to anything. It's like the thing in Congress, when you pass a bill into law, you've got to also fund the bill. You've got to have the money to do what it is you want to do. And I think a lot of what they seem to be doing is maybe trying to get a bill out there uh, but also, I think there's a lot of shell games with, well, we wanted to do this, but people wouldn't give the money. Well, it's because you're pissing off all your donors, A, and B, because you got development pulling its old tricks on stuff again. And again, this is right in front of people. I asked at the press conference, are you willing to announce the match? And just the question got ignored. I mean, that's not hard to answer. That has nothing to do with strategic plans or whatever. So again, just look at what's right in front of you. I don't. I think I'm preaching to the choir at this point, but I just wanted to say that. So that's the other thing. Uh, the hope for this, I think, comes in two things. I have said this since the beginning. I have not wavered from this. I will never waver from this. 
The appropriate thing to do right now is not have people like me and Adam Sparks and whoever doing your dirty work. It's on the board of trust. It is 100% on the board of trust because they can find things that I'll never be able to find with complete clarity. Well, I shouldn't say complete clarity. People erase things and lie and obfuscate and hide memos, so you never know, but they can certainly have an ability to get at things that I can't. What I would investigate is, A, just the culture. Go back and get your background from 1960 or whatever. Like, what have been the battles they fought, and why does the Vanderbilt way, uh, people will take offense to me using that, but that's the best name I know. If somebody told me today, it's not like it's people or persons working against them, it's this culture and this force. And so for the purpose of this conversation, let's call it the Vanderbilt way. That has beaten everything in its sight. It has exhausted donors. It has run them off. It has just flattened everything in its path. And, and that's why I wrote what I did a couple of weeks ago. It just, it is unbeaten. They have got to find out, A, what is wrong with the culture there that that keeps happening. That's number one. B, I think they need a big investigation into the hire, why they never called great candidates, didn't give them the time of day, why they never settled on Boo Corrigan, why they pulled out from that at the last minute. That is B, how they ended up with Malcolm Turner when it went against everything they said they wanted in the first place. Third, I would say you still have to have an investigation into how all this went down, who was complicit at a bare minimum I know 100%, I've talked to too many of the right people, you cannot do what they did with the money and let Malcolm spend that money and then claim, oh, later, oh, this was out of our control. And I know part of the element is that his boss changed. But still, you cannot complain about the spending after you've let it happen, because they know every penny all the time. So there are inconsistencies with that that are still troubling. Uh, they need to dig in and find out where the blame for that lies. And then well, what? And then you you might need to clean a house. You might need to clean a house of people. You might need to reassign people. I don't know what you will do. Uh, and it, by the way, it is far from that. Okay, there there are other elements to this story that are kind of secondary. But they also are some things that I think are going on within the AD that need to be stopped. Again, they are things I would never get to. I'm just telling you, if, if you're an interested party in Vanderbilt, you're listening, I think there's a lot of stuff you will find if you start looking. And these are the things that you do if you're going to run a university. They're the things that you have to do. They're the things that you would do if it was your engineering school. I think that they owe everybody a duty. And even if they think sports is just this little thing that's not important, it's part of the university. It affects the integrity of how it's run. It affects how money is spent. It affects a lot of things. I I will go to my grave saying that if they don't take a look into things at this point, for all those reasons I've outlined, they have done their entire university a grave disservice.
I, I, I can't add anything that that was well done. Good job, Chris. Good job. I think you're right. What else you got for me? I got to wrap this up, Jack. Uh, I've got to get to my kids, so I've got to do the same. Tell people where they can find your show, where they can find you online. Yeah, you can find me online at, at Cheap Seats Bass on Twitter, and you can listen to the show, 101.5 FM, Jackson, Tennessee, Monday through Friday. He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll come back with more episodes next week.